It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Von Tobel. hour just had a chance to talk to uh, MMA legend Rich Franklin is a real executive like really working in the fight biz for uh, one championship and they've been building things in Southeast Asia forever um, damn I didn't even get into one of the things I wanted to get into and I guess instead of asking about his uh, his legacy I could have asked about Southeast Asia I'm always fascinated when I watch anything any sort of travel shows the food shows in places like Singapore or Thailand or Vietnam you know, and he said he lived there for about a year and a half, and then now he's stationed back in Cincinnati. By the way, we were we're uh, we're back late to this hour because he was extolling the virtues of how great Cincinnati is. I know that's what, that was what I wanted to get into. Is uh, you know I've trashed I've trashed Cincinnati. Well, we were talking about other interesting things, so we did Maybe that. I was but preventing you from trashing um, Cincinnati chili. Sure, and just the city of Cincinnati in general, which I did rank uh, at the bottom of the NFL. Ah, come at on! The bottom of the NFL. Should have got to it. You got to wave. Uh, we could have, uh, but you know, he we talked about that off the air uh, a little bit. But yeah, it's you know, it's a weird place. The chili's trash, but the Singapore, I do, I will say, I regret. Like, I haven't, I haven't thought about you know taking many jobs over the years, and I never thought about uh, going there. But when One FC was first kind of expanding and and getting into trying to get into the, you know, different markets and definitely uh, switching to English. I had talked uh, to some people there about doing about coming over to their work and like the communications and writing aspect for that. I didn't know that. And um, I didn't want to go, but I almost did take the interview just to go to Singapore because I thought it'd be very cool. Uh, I've heard so many great things about it. I do want to see it, but I also thought, man, if I go over there and love it, maybe I would just <laughs> take a job that I, I might not. You know, I might not want to be relocating to Southeast Asia, but uh, I might fall in love with it. So I was a little bit hesitant, but yeah, it was a. Uh, it's definitely something that, that fascinates me, Singapore in general. What do you think about the uh, part of the discussion about his legacy? That is, that is for me, and I, I, I don't know, am I crazy on this? It is sort of a glamour era because it's really when they started to sure. sort of set the foundation and, and break through. And the st- I don't want to be like back in my day, but the stars back then felt like bigger on an individual basis. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I feel like a lot of it's all kind of folded together now. It's more about the promotion. They and they need at the time they needed those mega fighters out front. Yeah, and I think, but I think his perspective was really, really That's good. A good one, I know. In terms of like, if he was around today, he probably it would kind of get lost yeah. in the shuffle a little bit. And I went right back to his narrative that we talked about a million times when we could, you know, when we covered it heavily back then with radio shows, and that was, hey, here's the smart guy. This yeah. guy's not an animal. Yeah, it's, it's true. He's a, he's a teacher, and he wants to fight. Like understanding your you know your role and what you were kind of asked to do, and what why you were, you know, important at that point in time yeah. is very interesting. John Von Tobel's with us. What's up, JVT? Uh, nothing much, guys. Just watching a little basketball, hanging out. Nice. What's going on? Well, I appreciate you uh, pushing back a couple minutes. We had Rich Franklin in, uh, MMA legend, and he's working with. Uh, one championship. Now they got a card coming up in Denver at the end of the week. By the way, still in pretty good shape. Not, not a shocker there, huh? Usually uh, MMA guys kind of 
They usually stay in pretty good shape. He looked like he still scrap pretty good. Uh, John, what is on the menu today? Usually, uh, I didn't get to check uh, social media, but you usually have a picture out about what you're cooking. You got anything going, or are you taking a night off? Uh, yeah, I actually, this is a rare event in the Von Tobel household. Isabel cooked today. Whoa, so. whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is it rare? Oh, I'm the, I'm the chef. Like, I'm the cook. Okay. So, Isabel doesn't cook that often. So, it is, uh, I'd say, once every other week, Isabel will cook. So She's making, uh, what, Italian, German? What you got no, it just some... Just some pretty simple chicken, rice, vegetables, lemon, pepper, chicken. Uh, very delicious. So I actually just okay, got good. done eating. Good, good, good. Well, you said very simple. So I was like, oh, is she getting a bad grade? No, it was actually, she's one of those that is just like, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Even though I tell her it's great like the entire time and it really is good. So I thought it was very good. If you would ask her, she'd say it was terrible. I tried to set up uh, Penny Otovich, our gambling expert, on Tuesdays uh, by reaching out to several of you folks because he had talked about having a cookout, and he had a, a sampling of the food. I think I looped you in on that one, right? It was uh, you and Felder and McMillan and another guy who's actually on Next Level Chef. Were you on that one? I don't think so. Oh, come on. Here. What am I doing? <laughs> oh, no. Was it, a, was it a tweet? Uh, It was a tweet, yeah. I was trying to trying to get some feedback from – oh, it was Judge Dan. That's right. But you're, you're definitely in our – you're in our group of chefs. I apologize. That's bad. That's real bad. And I have nowhere to jump. I have no nowhere to jump to either because she didn't see the picture of the food. So you go check that out at some point, please. Um, all right. So you work for Superbook along with Vison. Superbook put out a tweet in the last 24 hours, kind of capitalizing on the uh, the energy of the draft, looking ahead to next season. Over under win totals. Did you get a chance to look at this list? They've got mm-hmm. their uh, all their numbers up. Do you have anyone that said that if you had to bet one NFL regular season win total, what would you take? Uh, you took the one that I would take, and it's one we've talked about before, but it's under on your Jets at 9.5 and, a half and uh, at a plus price. I just I tend to try to go against the popular selection, which, of course, is going to be New York after getting Aaron Rodgers, and it's not a slight against them. I think they're going to be a perfectly fine team. I, I just don't know if the market is really accounting for how good the AFC overall is just going to be. And I just don't think it's going to be that easy for New York to come in in that division where I think all four teams are going to be good and it's going to be a knockdown drag out fight. And that includes the New England Patriots, who in some metrics finished as the best defense last year and I think are going to get better this year um, and better offensively. And then just the, like I said, the AFC as a whole, when you're talking about Cleveland potentially being better, the Broncos being better still the other teams there. I think the market's just really overvaluing New York just because they got Aaron Rodgers. So I, that was at the top of my list, especially if you're talking nine and a half at a plus 125. That was the one that I had circled. Yeah, Jets uh, crossover uh, in the conference with the AFC West. So they've got the Chiefs and the Chargers at home in northern New Jersey. And then they have the, the long trips out here for the Raiders and the Broncos. Do you think that number gets to 10? It's what, nine and a half minus 130 or 40? Yeah, minus 145 is what I'm looking at minus now. This is the graphics. So maybe it's changed in yeah. the actual app. Okay. Itself. But, I mean, I wouldn't say no. Look, they're going to be a popular team at the window, and I, they're going to get a lot of action on that, especially in other jurisdictions. So I wouldn't be surprised if it got to a flat 10. All right. Did you look at the other teams I put up there? Chiefs over 11.5, minus 130. Lions under 9.5, plus 120. Yeah, I don't really like being lock and step with you on a couple of things here. Uh, I will say the Lions is one that I – Look, I um, I understand the attraction with Detroit, especially offensively. Right, their deep, their their offense was great, and it could be great again. 
However, I don't see a defense that I think got inherently better over the offseason. And, I mean, I guess you spent a top 20 pick on an interior linebacker, so maybe that'll change everything. Um, but I, I don't I don't really think that this is a defense that got much better than one that was in the bottom five in a lot of key advanced da- statistics. So I'm with you. Like I know a lot of people like the rah-rah nature and what that what has happened here with Dan Campbell, but I think this is still a pretty flawed team. And while they might be good on offense, Still going to be pretty bad on defense. I would very much look at under Detroit at nine and a half. You don't think a top 15 running back makes the defense better? Yeah, I just, I don't really understand it. It's like, it's, and I, there's people like arguing for the selections and like trying to say like, there's a team that might've drafted Gibbs. Like, you don't, that's not the point, right? Like no. that's not the point of drafting and positional value. You know, like when you see all over the place, it goes back to Adam, like the tight end conversation, right? One of the few draft props that I bet was under on the tight ends because people see all these really good tight ends and they try to convince themselves like, of course, these teams want good tight ends. Well, yeah, they do. But the common link between all these good tight ends, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, it's not that they're good tight ends. It's that they were fourth, fifth and sixth round picks like this. They don't want to spend top picks on tight ends. And it's the same thing with running backs and interior linebackers. The, the value of those positions just do not make your team better. And when you're a team like Detroit, who came in from a season in which you ranked in the bottom three in EPA per play defensively, your top two picks shouldn't be a running back and an interior linebacker. That's just not making you better. Do you, do you take anything from the fact that they actually seem to make up for it the next day? Uh, I mean, I guess. I, I just I feel like when you're talking about like deeper in the draft – what is the real estate like uh the, like the banks kid i really like the kid out of alabama right like that's i think a really good selection to your point so like there is something there because that's a guy who was supposed to be a first round pick or by many thought was going to be a first round pick so is that like a decent selection absolutely especially when it comes to positional value and where you got him in the draft compared to where many projected him to potentially land but that's like one piece and there's also a reason why he was available there right because many many teams probably saw some flaws in that tape so yes like they get credit for that but is that really going to be enough to take you from where you were as a defense last year to making you adequate enough to be a team that is respected by the market as much as you are, right? We're talking like nine and a half shaded to the over at minus 140, favorite to win the division, like a 20 to one-ish to win in the Super Bowl. I just, those are not, those are not numbers that I agree with when it comes to Detroit. Adam, who was your lowest graded team? Um, I mean, I think there's a couple. I, I, I obviously didn't like what Houston did with, uh, the trade, but you know, I think they did all right. I mean, Detroit first round, I thought was the lowest. Okay. Yep. All right. But again, I, I think they made up for it. But I, if you're going to grade first round, I thought Detroit was abysmal. Yeah, and and I'll I'll say too, like in, t- in terms of making up for it too, Adam, like getting Hendon Hooker is like a really good pick. I, yeah. I think that's great. I, I just think when you're picking in the later rounds, the impact that those guys are going to have on your roster the next year is not going to be as impactful as guys you're taking at the top of your draft, right? And I, and I think that's why when you're looking at especially, we're talking about, yes, Brian Branch, the 45th overall pick is great. But your first three picks, I mean, Jameer Gibb, Jack Campbell, and Sam Laporta are those guys that are really making the Detroit Lions that much better this year, especially when their biggest weakness was defense? I would say no. And especially when you're looking at their draft overall, again, made up for it with some pretty good picks. But I'm looking at a team as one of the worst defensive teams in the NFL, and I'm looking at picks at quarterback, offensive tackle, wide receiver. I just I, I felt like they missed, at least in terms of adding to their weaknesses. John Von Tobel's with us. VSIN, also part of Cofield and Company. Adam, do you have something? No, I was just going to say, because I know that there'll, there'll be people, if, if Gibbs pans out and is good, people will say, see? No, it doesn't matter. That's <laughs> right. the part of this. It doesn't matter if he's good. That's irrelevant to what they did. 
John, let's break down the uh, the four series. It, Adam, in... it's, it's like Will Anderson, right? <laughs> yeah. How so? Explain. Well, it's just, like if Will Anderson turns out to be Von Miller, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> like you, you still wasted too many assets to go up and get a defensive end when you could have used the picks that you got, especially guys that are at the top end of the draft. Like They could be starters on your roster. It just doesn't match up with the production. Even if he turns out to be a Hall of Famer, it just doesn't match up with the production that you gave up to go and get him where you got him. The NBA series. So right now we got Boston 57-50, about four minutes left in the first half, 59-50 over Philly. No Embiid. Uh, what's his status for the rest of the series? And I assume that's why the Celtics were a monster favorite. Um, they certainly did not open up 550, but before they closed the series, 550. Yeah, they, so they opened up minus 310, got to the closing point of minus 550 before the series began. Uh, Joel Embiid, that's that's all what that is about, is whether or not Embiid is going to be available or was going to be available here at the start of the series. So, look, there's a lot of weird cloak and dagger stuff around this, as there usually is, mm -hmm. with the NBA and injuries to keep players. Uh, Woj, in one of his most recent reports, expressed optimism for Game 2. However, that means nothing, because the Bucks expressed uh, optimism for Giannis Antetokounmpo early in that series, and he ended up missing two more games after game one. So I, I would say like the way you're acting on this, Steve, is you're just waiting for, for information. But I was somebody in the mind of the mindset that this was a series that was going to be quick, even with a healthy Joel Embiid. I think Boston matches up really well with Philadelphia. I think the fact that they have a body or two to throw at Joel Embiid, right, and Robert Williams or Al Horford, and they'll feel comfortable in defending him one-on-one -on -one and spreading everybody else out and being comfortable in one-on-one -on -one matchups outside of it. There's a reason why in the regular season – Boston was 3-1 straight up, 4-0 against the spread against Philly, and the one game they lost was their last matchup of the regular season where Jalen Brown didn't play, Robert Williams didn't play, and it took 52 points on nearly perfect shooting from Joel Embiid to beat him by two points. Like this, It's just a really bad matchup for Philly. So if Embiid's not going to play, they're already up against it, and even if he is, I think this is a series that ends pretty quickly. I bet this under five and a half games. Uh, they had that at circuit plus 120. ended up closing, like I think, minus 120, somewhere in that range. Um, but I think this is I think this is a quick one, regardless of what happens with Embiid. Nuggets Sun. Denver out to a one nothing start in the series. Denver's now minus one eighty in the series, and tonight the Nuggets are four at home against Phoenix. Yeah, look, so I I I have a bet on Denver to win this series, and I I think the case that you're making here after a one nothing series lead is actually to bet Denver in the series or nothing else. I I think they come into this series undervalued, and I think it's more about how the market really likes Phoenix. But th this is a Denver team, guys that as we know, has the first seed in the NBA, in the Western Conference. They have a strong home court advantage that is going to be magnified, by the way, because the Suns are asking Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to average over 40 minutes a game and give them over 30 points per game. I mean, you go back to game one, and Devin Booker was at nearly 40 minutes already as they entered the fourth quarter of play. Think about the workload that these guys are going to have on their bodies as they try to fight through a postseason while on top of that, needing to score 30 points a game. So I, I think that Denver came into this postseason really undervalued. They lost 10 out of their last 17 games of the regular season. Nobody really likes Nikola Jokic that much, so it created this weird perception of Denver, when in reality, it's a deep team that's got a really good starting five with Jokic out there and a bench that has been performing extremely well throughout this postseason. And the other fact is, guys, I think we forget, and I don't know if you guys remember all those years ago when I was your producer, when Jamal Murray was coming out, and I, I I was making the case for Philly to take him with the first overall pick. I love the kid, and when you watch him play, he's incredible. He is one of the best postseason players of this like of this group of guys that's out there. We forget it because he injured himself. But when he was in that bubble and when we've seen him in the postseason, he was awesome, and he's been awesome again. 
I think Denver wins this series, so we'll see what happens. I don't think the Suns are like dead and gone, but I think they have some flaws that the market's not accounting for. Will Denver play the Lakers or my Golden State Warriors? Well, I've got some pretty good numbers on your Golden State Warriors to win the West, so I'm really hoping it's I'm really hoping it's your Golden State Warriors uh, to win this thing. And I, I generally think too, Adam. Like I thought the price was kind of cheap, especially Superbook opened them up at like minus one twenty, I think. To win the series, might might, might be cheating. I think it might be minus 125 or 130, but I think that's also the reflection of maybe some liability that the guys over the Superbook might have, right, on the Los Angeles Lakers, maybe attracting um, some Warriors money on the other way and, and wanting to deter anybody betting on the Los Angeles Lakers. But um, I think, look, these two teams have advantages over the other that the, they can exploit, right? Anthony Davis and LeBron James should be a mismatch for that front court of Golden State but they have nobody that can chase around Steph Curry. And the Warriors still have Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green to throw at uh, LeBron James defensively. I still think that this Warriors team, this bench, is really thin and not very good. You saw that play out in the Sacramento Kings series, so maybe that burned them. I I think it's a tight series, but I I think it's going to be a Warriors-Nuggets-Western Conference Finals. Did I see you tweet out the uh, greatest player ever? Yes. Yes. Steph Curry, and then, of course, uh, that got the internets all mad. Here's the thing. So I can understand if you would disagree, right? Because we can all disagree on these sort of things. But like the people that came back at me that thought like it was just like this otherworldly thought that he wasn't even a top 20 player, that a four-time champion who is our only unanimous MVP who changed the sport of basketball since he got started in his career could not even be considered to be the best player of all time is absolutely ridiculous. He is one of the most impactful players of his generation, if not the most impactful player. And he is up for one of the greatest winners. Guys, Steve Kerr, how about this stat? Steve Kerr in the Western Conference Series is 19-0. and 0. You want to know why? Because he's Steph got Curry. Steph Curry. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he's incredible. So, I, like, I, I can understand if you don't agree, but the fact that anybody would just, like, thoroughly dismiss it is beyond me. I have no, under, I have no like, I don't think you watch basketball if you're going to thoroughly dismiss considering Steph Curry as the best basketball player of all time. And he took game seven into his own hands. We're going to win because of me. So I'm going to fire yep. up 38 shots. Let's go. Yeah. And he, and he hit 20 of them. Yes. Like he, so. was, he was over 50%. Like I had somebody, and this is why I love social media so much. Cause you do get people who don't really know stuff that will just try to comment who don't, who don't what, know stuff. What, well, right. Because so one guy, kept saying that he scored 50 on 56 shots because he was adding the three-point attempts to the field goal attempts. (laughs) And so, like, I'm like, like, and I was trying to be nice, and I'm like, bro, you don't add those two numbers together. He, like, he didn't take 56 shots. He took 38, and I just got back a, oh, no. Like, 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 you you got people who start arguments just for no reason. I, 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 I love social media. It's great. How about this one for both of you guys? Uh, this is from our good friend, uh, Jorge Gonzalez, who did radio for a long time. He'll text me every once in a while with some sports thoughts. I don't know who that is, so he's not my friend. Lakers, Warriors will decide the best player of this era. I mean, That's I all was, we get from Adam. Goes, goes to John's point. <laughs> I mean, that, like, sure, that it's up for grabs, but I don't know. Like, So LeBron's, LeBron's legacy... Is is based on this series, even though he's got a torn ligament in his foot. That sucks. He's yeah, I would. I, I think I would. I would add to that. Um, this series could decide this year's best player if one of the teams goes on to win the title. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I look. I think you should be able to consider a player's legacy beyond just winning titles. Um, but that's just me. So 
I can understand if you think that this is for it. I would also understand that maybe if you thought that this probably isn't the best barometer, considering how injured LeBron James is coming into this series. Um, but yeah, sure. He's a little further along in his career as well, so he's got right. One, he's he's got, got a lot of miles. Three, three years I mean, you on, saw, on Steph. Yeah, yeah. You saw that series in Memphis. It looked like he was like sucking wind almost every game, and like what he did in that game four to give him a three-one series lead. Like it looked like he was using every bit of his strength to get that stuff done. John, what do we get uh, going on right now with Hardwood Handicappers? Um, yeah, okay. So, Hardwood Handicappers comes out five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So, you can look out for that every single day. We have playoff series previews. The Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers series preview in written form will be up later tonight. So, you can find that at vcin.com slash JVT. I've got on-air duties all throughout the week. And next week, I will be on Lombardi line tomorrow. I will fill in as uh, for Gil Alexander as host of a numbers game on nice. Thursday and Friday. And how about this? How about this, guys? On Monday and Tuesday, I will be the co-host on Follow the Money, our flagship show, taking the place of Mitch and or Paul. I don't know which one, but I'll be on with Stormy Bonantoni. So. John, great job. Great job. Good to talk to you guys. See ya. Yeah. Appreciate the flexibility. We pushed John back a little bit. He came through. Nailed it with all the NBA previews. All right, back to the Raiders. I want to talk about what happened in the middle rounds with the Raiders. Adam will uh, also repeat. Uh, sort of what we talked about, it's not sort of, what we talked about with Tyree Wilson where there is a risk with this guy and there is a, a downside for some people around the NFL who feel like this could be a complete bust, but the Raiders liked him and he was one of the guys they were targeting, so they went with him. Listen to Cofield and Company in the Press Box all week long for your chance to win tickets to Reggae in the Desert, Saturday, May 6th at the Clark County Government Amphitheater. For more info or to purchase tickets, go to reggaeinthedesert.com. Adam Hill, room temperature, ice cold. How do you prefer your water? Cold. Not ice cold. Yeah, I think cold over room cold. temperature. Coldest, I guess coldest possible. Okay. I just saw the Indiana Fever do a little social media on that. I didn't know that was a big issue. Do and people like warm water? Willie Ramirez tweeted it, retweeted it, and said room temperature always. That's a preposterous choice. It's a strange. Man drinks fella. a lot of water. We probably should. He's an expert on water. <laughs> He's a strange fellow. That is true. Don't take that personally, Willie. You know you are. Cofield, Adam Hill, ESPN Las Vegas. Ari is here. As well, mark down, mark that down for Festivus that he is a horrific choice in drinking temperature water. <laughs> so now it is getting serious. Yes. So the Raiders take Tyree Wilson. Adam rolled through some of the negatives around the league. You want to repeat a couple of them on the 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 thoughts on his injury and that this really could be something that's debilitating. Yeah, those are, those are the, the the two big issues with Tyree Wilson that people have had with the pick. Uh, one is the injury, the lingering foot injury. It kept him, um, you know. It affected his season and then kept him from doing really any workouts uh, at the Combine or Pro Day. He says he'll be ready for the start of training camp, but uh, there are teams out there uh, that were concerned, that didn't think he was going to be ready, that thought this was going to be a lingering issue, uh, that believed it could hamper his development and potentially you know, impact his career, ever really taking off in the NFL. And that was talked about by Chris Collinsworth on, his, uh, on the live PFF Draft show on Thursday night when Tyree Wilson was not picked in the top six and they started to say, Oh, this is interesting. Like because PFF had him ranked as a 26 best prospect and so many people had him mocked in the top three, they started to say, well, maybe the league saw him the same way we did. Uh, and then he ended up getting picked with the next pick at number seven. But they had said, look, it's possible. His career will never really even start. 
uh, based on this foot injury. So there's there's definitely concerns from some teams. The Raiders didn't really have the same concern. So clearly, uh, clearly, because they picked yes. them. Yes. Um, but that's one thing. And then a lot of the advanced metric metrics just really don't like Tyree Wilson as a prospect. Uh, one of the things is, and I know a lot of the models that try to you know try to forecast how players are going to do, they really don't like one year wonders which is guys who kind of struggle to find themselves and then break out and have like a big season, uh, the, the analytics models tend to not like that. And uh, in this case, that's kind of the trajectory. You know, Wilson took a while to find himself, transferred in college, and um, eventually took off and was dominant at times when he was in there. Uh, but, you know, didn't you – know, the, the models don't tend to like that. And uh, they really don't like especially players his size that don't impact passes – um, not that he's not getting to the quarterback, but he just somebody his length probably should have more passes knocked down than one. Uh, you would think that you know that would be maybe something that's something they can work on. Maybe that's something that they can get him to get his head up and you know get his arms up. But uh, they don't tend to like that. Now the positives would be he is a freak athlete for his size, which is he's a giant, great athlete. Um, you tend to look at those guys. It's it's Trayvon Walker last year, right? Aiden Hutchinson by far the better player. Walker projected, excuse me, more productive player. Walker projected because of his athleticism and skills to be a higher ceiling guy, so he goes first. Um, this year, I think Tyree Wilson kind of the same same vein of, look, he was good in college, but he could be great because of his projectables and you know his measurements, so you'll take that chance on him. So all the negatives you can throw out and say there is that chance that he far exceeds that, um, you know, that projection. On the way back, we'll get into – but we'll be watching for the next three, four years, and that is keeping an eye on Jalen Carter. Did the Raiders and taking Tyree Wilson just pull a Warren Sapp? You remember Warren Sapp in the 1995 draft slipped and slipped and slipped? There were multiple defensive linemen like Mike Mamula, workout warrior, who were taken before Warren Sapp. Let's hope that uh, Jalen Carter isn't the next Warren Sapp. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and Company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. Pritch, Mike Pritchard, former NFL player, rancho guy, Vegas guy, Colorado guy. Used to be Lotus Broadcasting guy. He's with VSIN now. And uh, Pritch makes regular appearances on Raider Nation Radio 920 on their morning show. Clay Baker with a question there. And what Clay was talking about was the draft and the fact that the Raiders in the draft did not draft an offensive lineman. And Pritch fired back like, hey, you know, they, they, had the, they had the best running back in the National Football League. We'll address that in five minutes. Let's stick with what we were talking about with Tyree Wilson being picked. Jalen Carter's there. He's the big Georgia lineman. He's had, you know, some serious off-the-field issues. Also some motivation issues in terms of, you know, working hard all the time. Eagles get him, and it's like a clean slate. Eagles, brilliant, brilliant. You had uh, Micah Parsons on a podcast watching the first round of the draft, and he was like all fired up that the freaking Eagles in the division got Jalen Carter. Um, the problems are still there, and the Eagles are going to have to watch him very closely and hopefully, hopefully going to a winning organization with lots of veterans. It's going to help him out. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of his college teammates too, which could be a bad thing. Uh, yeah, Caleb Herring said when he was on with us Friday co-hosting, he's like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. I think you need to get out of that element. Uh, you want to be, you actually want to make them uncomfortable. Like yeah. here's, here's a wake up call. Okay, the stuff that went on, 
where you aren't max motivated at times and you're misbehaving away from the field at Georgia. No, no, no. None of that. Yeah, and, and you know a lot of the same guys were around him that allowed that to happen are here, although you never know if it's the, you know, maybe some of the ones that were bad influences are not, you know, part of the group that's now there. Um, but the Eagles believe that they can do it, and the Eagles are in a position to take that chance. I mean, they're, they're you know, if he is the player that we think he can be just on the field, that they, they go from, you know, contender to the contender uh, to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh, that's how much of an impact he could potentially have. Now it could go the other way. It could, you know, not only impact him but the other guys that were around him, some of his teammates, and he could drag them down uh, as well at the next level. You don't know. You don't know how it's going to work out. But um, I think that was the right situation for him to go into to have the best chance to succeed. And I just think the Raiders were never going to be able to to be that organization because of the fact that they are still dealing yep. with the fallout of the Henry Rugg situation. I, I think the Raiders were I, – I asked Dave Ziegler straight up last week at the press conference, is it more complicated of an issue for the Raiders than any other team? And he said, no, I just don't believe that. I think it was. I think that was a complicated issue because of the Rugg stuff still hanging over and the similarity between uh, what happened in his case and what happened with Jalen Carter. Not the exact same thing, but – there's similarities, and I think it was going to be very difficult for the Raiders organization to do that, and I think that's why he's not on the Raiders. Well, we are now going to compare if uh, Jalen Carter is productive, keeps his nose clean, what Carter does versus what Wilson does. You know, People are going to look back at that forever because that's what we do after the draft. You look at it four, five, 10, 25 years later, and you can see drafts like 1995 where Warren Sapp went 12th. Um, was expected to go higher, kept slipping. 12's not like going, you know, slipping a lot, but still. But the story in that draft was I, I remember as a, you know, longtime Jets fan how miserable I was that day because, as I've said many times, I was writing for a local newspaper. The Jets botched the draft every year. I'm actually doing agate at a high school track meet, which is, as you know, not fun. No. Uh, and I kept like running out to the car to get the pick. And the Jets have the ninth pick. Warren Sapp's still available. And they take Kyle Brady. And we like Kyle. He's been on the show, but Kyle Brady was basically a tackle. He was he was he wasn't really a pass catcher. He wasn't a dynamic tight end. He was a gigantic guy who was an extra offensive lineman. There were in that this is a crazy draft when you look back on it. Kajana Carter went one, and he just could never stay healthy. Yeah. Tony Baselli's a Hall of Famer, right? Can't argue with that one, right? Uh, Steve McNair is gone. Uh, had a productive career, and then you know everything fell apart after his career. Michael Westbrook was as freaking nuts as anyone on the draft. Like, he, he had one productive year in the NFL and then was just, like, teed up to fight people all the time. <laughs> um, Kerry Collins went fifth. I mean, that you know, long career, but was never really great, great. Uh, Kevin Carter, good player. Mike Mamula was the one that you look back on, you're like, the Eagles could have had freaking Warren Sapp in 1995 to add to that defense. And they didn't do it. They went with Mike Mamula because he, you know, did a bunch of bench presses and had a good vertical and looked good, you know, looked good in a muscle shirt. Uh, Joey Galloway, productive player. J.J. Stokes, again, solid player, but not Warren Sapp. And then right before Warren Sapp got selected, Derek Alexander went, and Alexander lasted four years in the NFL. But, you know, behemoth, big guy, 6'4", 290, and just it didn't work out. So I don't want to be doing this five years from now, you know, and doing what we've what we've done recently where, you know, Brandon Parker goes and Fred Warner, I think, was the next pick. Great. Stuff like that. So. Nobody, I'm sure nobody got picked after Leatherwood that they would have liked, or God. nobody. Too got early. Flat flashes in the pan. Too early. Nobody got picked after Damon Arnett. Nobody got picked after. I actually, you know, Cleefer was fine, but he was the victim of being picked too high. 
Nobody went after. He's those a guys, rotational so. NFL player. If yeah. he had been a second round pick, he'd be a little disappointing, but he can play in the NFL. No, the problem was they had the other Josh Allen available to him, which is exact, the exact position they needed, and they didn't take him. It's, it's wild. Uh-huh. But and, they and, did. Then they did steal Max Crosby late in the draft. And so. they, they, you know what? Gruden and Mayock were pretty decent in the middle of the draft. There were some terrible picks, too, but they were pretty decent in, in producing productive players. And Nate Hobbs, I think, you know, again, as long as he stays on the – you know, the, the right. right path, he's a really good player, should, and he's a good value pick. The Raiders should have known that Gruden was going to struggle with the draft after how much he was going all in on Bo Callahan to be the guy. Now that the draft is over. It's a, dra- it's a draft day. Do right? we put draft day, the movie, to bed until next yes. you know, 11 months from now? Yeah, okay. I watch it the morning of the draft every oh, you do? year and then move on. I didn't on. know that. Yeah, that's my move. I, I think it's entertaining. I enjoy it. The movie or your jokes? The, mo- the movie. Okay. Jokes are not, but I think it's an entertaining movie. Uh, I mean, it's it's wildly ridiculous that the, he's able to pull off the trade that he, that he pulls off. Uh, but I, I think the movie is entertaining. But, yeah, uh, Gruden is on there just ranting and raving about how somebody needs to take Bo Callahan when he's clearly a crumb. He's a terrible person. Three six four eleven hundred Giveaway. Four tickets to Reggae in the Desert this Saturday, May 6th, 11 a.m. start. Caribbean food. Uh, great drinks, uh, the vendors all over the place at the uh, Clark County Government Amphitheater, obviously the music, Reggae in the Desert. You can get your tickets at reggaeinthedesert.com. Ari's got a four-pack right now, 364-1100, caller 7. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You know, I never learn the lesson, and it happens every time. Why do we allow the G-damn NFL to play out its stupid storyline of quarterbacks and their money with Lamar Jackson? We did all of this on Lamar Jackson, and in the end, he gets the best deal We've seen a quarterback get. Have the numbers come out to where there's any indication that he screwed himself as his own agent or that he didn't get a little more than Jalen Hurts? No, not, not really. And, you know, I think in the end that was going to be the deal. And so he saves whatever amount of money he saved uh, on paying an agent. Right. Now, I think he probably took more reputational hits than he needed to through the process. I think people will forget about it, though. Uh, he yeah, I, I wanted to address that. Spinning that for him. Why? Why did the Ravens do this? What was the point? What was the point of having? Did they? Did they want him to take the hits? Like a little humbling? Because I don't think it humbled him. Because yeah. I, I honestly, I, I walk away and I'm like, yeah, I won. Yes, I won. And you know, while Charles Barkley, expert on everything, is talking about me last week, saying I should just settle. Billionaires are billionaires for a reason. You're not going to win this. I won. I won. Now, I still think he should have gone like full labor revolutionary and said, you know what? I'm going to wait until Herbert and Burrow sign their deals, and then we'll we'll talk money then. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably – that might have been a way to do it because you know he's going to get more than whatever – it was always just going to be well, whatever is slightly more than what, what was just signed. My hope would be that Herbert or Burrow really drives a hard bargain, and they're like, no, no, no. Deshaun Watson money? No, we're getting it. <laughs> yeah. This isn't – we're not getting five mil more than the last guy. No, that's the guy, 
and we're getting it. Which one of them might, yeah. if not both. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know how the Spanos family is going to, you know, the whole deal with the, you know, Miles was explaining it last week with putting the money in escrow and all that. I have, I don't know what they have. And it's, Browns are kind of similar. Yeah. Still a family-owned organization. So I, I have no idea how that's going to work out. But they're paying those guys at least at least $190 million guaranteed. And it's probably going to be a lot closer to what Deshaun Watson's getting at 230. But I, I just, on the whole Lamar Jackson thing, it was like, what's the freaking point? Well, there's not, except it's, it's like a base. That's like that's that's the stuff that baseball does, you know. You 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 let the media and some fans rake one of your star players over the coals to you know in arbitration, right? You go and crush them, and then there's you you get the deal done, and there's still kind of you know some feelings like eh, I didn't like the way that went. I'm not gonna forget. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can see some of that. I, I just feel like um, they are. You know, they're at a point where they were going to sign him no matter what. It wasn't going to go anywhere. And also, I think they saw, you know, their plan of having some other team come to the deal so they could just match it really wasn't going anywhere. So, in the end, this draft's coming up. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make this move and, uh, and and just pay him slightly more than the last contract that just came out, which Jalen Hurts' deal kind of helped this help push this along, I think. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I love that Aaron Rodgers is intertwining himself with – New Jersey, New York, sports culture. It's out at the Rangers. Mostly just New York, I think. I tried to try to throw in Jersey in there. I'm like, eh, I don't know if you should have picked the Rangers, could have picked the Devils, but whatever. Um, well, same same series. Did he have anything on? I mean, I know he's wearing clothes, but was he wearing? Did he have? Was he cheering for one team or the other? That's a, good, that's a fair question. Did he go to a game at MSG? He went at MSG okay, game well, six. Then. All right, we know who he's rooting for, sort of. Actually, he's not rooting for anyone. And now he's isn't just, he going to live in Jersey? We decided he's going to live at the the old Jersey Shore house. Yes, at the old Jersey Shore house. In seaside. In seaside Heights. You don't like this move to uh, kind of kiss the ass of the local fans? I mean, it's fine. It's just fake. I mean, no, nobody he's out believes, watching the Rangers and the Knicks. Nobody believes he's completely you know, diving all into the – he's just trying to – look, oh, I'm a real New Yorker. I'm going to these games. Stop. Stop. You oh don't care. God. How awesome would it be – Give it a couple of months, though, Aaron. How awesome would it be if he, he does – he pulls – what's his well, – now I'm blanking on his freaking name. Who's the uh, jabroni at LSU? Ooh, Paul, uh, uh, Brian Kelly? Yeah, Brian Kelly. Trying to <laughs> trying to, trying to speak no, – My family. Yeah. <laughs> right? That stupid <laughs> accent. You could just get Rogers like, hey, over there. Like, what are, what are you doing? Stop. My name is Aaron Rodgers. He's stopping at you know, pizza, pizza shops and – it's it's not it's not becoming. Just stop doing that. Do the Jets matter to you now? It's important uh, for me to. It's important for me to be back. I think they're relevant. Okay, good. I said last week one of the biggest things that this allows me now is I can walk into a sports bar with my head held high and go put the Jets game on. I couldn't do it last last four years. I would just walk in, head down, ashamed, just walk to a corner, just watching my phone while you know. You're ma- they they max out their eight TVs and the ninth game is always the Jets. I I mean, you know they're still chasing the Dolphins as the as the most interesting team in the division for sure, but they're there. Have they announced Hard Knocks yet? Are they a lock? Uh, I mean you would think so. I don't think they've announced it. I haven't seen it. I hope. I mean the, I mean I really want the Dolphins, but I'd like in season Dolphins would be great. I'd love to see that. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Raiders middle of the draft. Do you think they made some good moves by grabbing a couple of defensive backs? Um, yeah. I mean, look, I, they needed they needed an infusion of you know talent and ability 
uh, on all three levels of the defense, and I think they just kind of try to do that, plug in, see if this guy works out, see if this guy works out, maybe this guy. Um, they just added pieces, and I think they went for – they could have had more. You know, obviously they had 12 picks. They only took nine players. They moved around a little bit. But um, I, I think you could look at what they did, and, and, and they said, look, they just went for – they went for bodies that had traits that could work out. Said, all right, maybe this guy, all right, some speed here. Maybe, you know, they go with, um, you know, guys that can do different things, uh, play the ball. That's one thing that they looked for uh, in players that they had. They didn't think they attacked the ball enough. Uh, so, hey, let's go find a guy that maybe he's got some deficiencies in coverage and uh, isn't great, but maybe he goes after the ball and, and goes and makes some plays there and, you know, uh, attacks the ball at the, you know, the highest point, goes after the receivers. Like, I think that there's different things that you have in different players that could eventually work out and I think it's not a lot of guys that are going to help you right now mm-hmm. but guys that could develop into something and that's you know Decorian Ben is who I'm referencing in that you know he really really good at attacking the ball a lot of pass deflections a lot of pass breakups interceptions coverage isn't great all the time but he's got that ability to just go find the ball and Chris Smith third is he the third yeah he's more of a he's more of a box safety more of a hitter, even uh, though he's small. He can kind of play anywhere. Like you can move him around. He can play. He can play a little bit of a nickel corner. He can play a little, different, you know, different spots on the defense. I think his trait is really just leadership and um, more, you know, cerebral play on the defensive side. Yeah. He he knows where to be. Uh, he knows and goes. You know, just go make a play. So I think that there's things that he can do. And then, like a guy like Amari Bernie, who should be amazing at covering running backs and tight ends, hasn't been. Uh, but he's a converted corner who then played linebacker, and he just loves to go attack the ball, uh, you know, just run downhill, make a tackle. And for some reason, he hasn't really translated his cover skills. Now, he says that he's the best, uh, you know, coverage linebacker in in uh, college football, the best prospect in that regard, but he hasn't shown it on the field necessarily. But I think that skill is there somewhere in him that he can be able to cover running backs and tight ends, and that's something that they've not had for a long time at linebacker. Is it fair to say their philosophy is on defense? The money is going to be spent on the defensive line, and then we're going to be a little more budget conscious on the back end. Yeah, that's the way it's played out so, so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're investing uh, up there for sure. I mean, they signed Max Crosby, they signed Chandler Jones. Now they drafted a Tyree Wilson in the first round. Like they are investing up there. Uh, so it seems like they believe that's the most important part. And I, you know, I would tend to agree with that right. too. Um, but it could have been different. Also, if you know, if Devin Witherspoon is there, I think they draft him, and now you're investing in the, at the cornerback position as well. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So there's no A's update today on the field, but I'll give you a couple things. Uh, this is from our buddy uh, Brian Horath. Um, Mayor Goodman on potential A's move. First of all, are you cool with me reading this? Because I know the first reaction from a lot of people is, what does it matter? It's not her area. Okay, well, she's, she's one of the people who speaks for the whole area. Sure. She said to make this work, the owners need to make a bold statement up front. What you want to see is the private ownership come in and be invested in our community and not just look to each of us who calls this home for more taxes. And, of course, the first two responses are the stadium won't be in the city of Las Vegas. Yeah, but I live in the city of Las Vegas, so I want someone to speak for me aside from myself. How about that? And let me tell you, getting Clark County people on to speak, good luck. I don't. Live this some city. of them are real good on Twitter, but other than that, not my mayor. I don't live in the city. Not my mayor. She, I, I like her, but I yeah. mean, she's she's not she's not my mayor. But you're right. I mean, it, she speaks for the area, 
I think a lot of people live there and a lot of businesses there. And like, it's I know we're all d- different jurisdictions around here, but we're all one community. Yeah, <laughs> it's just kind of the same. Well, again, I'll remind people: this is who we're potentially partnering with. You know, they played their first home game. The A's did. Since the announcement that Vegas is on the horizon, 6,400 people showed up. There were a bunch of signs in the outfield. Sell, stop blaming, get Fisher out, sell, sell, sell. It goes up on MLB.com. They edit out all the signs. Like, what are we doing? We're going to pretend stuff like this doesn't happen? You know people are going to notice it. Can Can we start the relationship off with some honesty, please? Bury it in the sand. Right? Yep. They're stupid in Vegas. They're not going to know we do stuff like this. Come on. Be better than that. We know. Partnership. Please, John Fisher. Treat us right, baby. Come on.